summer school and playing the piano and helped Rory where he could, was there traveling with Reverend Hagen. And one night, instead of Reverend Hagen ministering, he said that this young gentleman was going to get up and minister. Pretty big shoes to fill because everybody was there expecting this very, very seasoned minister to get up and minister. That was the expectation. And here comes this young man. When he got up to minister, it was fantastic. It was so anointed. It was so powerful. And one of the reasons is because of the amount of the word of God he had memorized in his spirit. That he left his notes and at some, some points had the Bible in his hand and sometimes nothing in his hand and just would, was walking a little bit up and down the aisles and was ministering and was quoting scripture word for word, not paraphrasing, but exactly word for word. When he was doing that, it was amazing at the power of God that was going out because God, what, confirms his word and he watches over his word to perform it. But the power and the anointing is in the word of God. It was just very interesting to watch him and to see the spiritual growth that had occurred in this young man. And we were in an opportunity where we had a friend that had season tickets to a baseball game where they had seats literally on the field. They were so good it was basically where the owners and the managers sit, where they actually put a folding chair on the field for them. That's how close they were. That's close. I don't think you can get any closer other than being a player on the team. He was offered tickets to this baseball game, fantastic tickets, right on the field. And that may not seem like a big deal, except there were other people that were traveling with that minister that were offered those tickets, and they said yes and went. And this gentleman said no. And when he said no, he said, I'll tell you why. He said, because I work so hard for this ministry. There's so much work to be done that by the time I'm finished at the end of each day, I have enough time to grab something to eat and to spend focused time in the Word, and then I go to bed. And that's what he was saying. And you know, the interesting thing is that it was evident in his life that there were times that he said no, even to really good opportunities, to put the Word first, ministry first, serving first, put the Word first, that if all he had enough time for was to get the Word in him, before going to bed, he was saying no to other things. So the fact that he could walk around that room and quote scripture the way that he did was then not quite as surprising because we started to understand the sacrifices that this young man made to have that much of the word of God in his spirit. When you know a lot of the word of God, God can use you to a greater degree because you're full of his word and he's confirming his word. So it was just very, very interesting to watch and to see and to be able to get a little bit of information behind the scenes of you know, then the sacrifice somebody's making to have that much in them. Now, 2 Timothy 2.15 says, Study to show yourselves approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. There are a couple main points I want us to look at tonight. One is that to be faithful to the call, it's going to require us studying. It's going to require us meditating on the Word of God, which is similar to studying. Us abiding in the Word of God, again, similar to studying. It's going to require us to be dedicated and to consecrate ourselves to the Lord and to what we're called to do. And it's going to require us to stay zealous. It's also going to require us to submit to the will of God. 
those are the main points that I want us to look at tonight. But first, let's go back and look at studying. 2 Timothy 2.15, study to show yourself approved unto God. Study to show yourself approved unto men? No. Approved unto God. So God is saying study. He's exhorting us to study here. Now notice this, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So if the word of truth can be rightly divided, it can also be divided wrong. That's why we're required to study. And I saw something in there. It says, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed. It doesn't say a playman. It says a workman. And what do workmen do? They work. So studying is work. Ministry is work. Serving God is work. It is work. One of the biggest things they kept saying to us at Rama was, how do you spell ministry? And they would say, W-O-R-K. And I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. And my mom said that to me before I got married. You know, marriage is work. And I thought, yeah, 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 yeah. How hard could it be? I really like this guy. I really like being with him. I get really excited before we get to go out on dates. How hard could it be? And my mom said, it's work, you know. And she was right. Marriage is work. And, and, and the Hagans were right. Ministry is work. Well, what does that mean? It means you do it when you don't feel like it. It means you go, you go to meetings when you may not, your body may not feel like it. <laughs> it means you finish working all day and then you go to another meeting that night. It means you put your flesh under, make it your slave, you buffet your body, your spirit led, and you do that which the Holy Ghost leads you on the inside to do. Not being a carnal Christian, but a spiritual Christian. Mature in your walk. Exercising self-control. Putting the flesh under. Carrying not anxiety. Keeping in perfect peace. And then doing the work of the Lord. Joshua 1.8. Let's turn there. See what this says. I like this scripture a lot. Joshua 1.8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. So the book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth. What does it mean? It means you're saying it. You're speaking it. Somebody just told me they put their sermon notes under their pillow. That's good. Why? Your mind is thinking on it. You're thinking on the word. You're conscious of the word. You've got the word near you. Focused on the word. You're not going to let it depart out of your mouth. You're focused on it. And it talks about meditating. What is meditating? It's staying focused on something. Meditating day and night, day and night. If you're going to be faithful to a call of God, it requires day and night faithfulness. It requires you to be consistent. It's not a coming in and going out. And this week I feel like it, but next week I don't. I'll do it in three weeks. I'll get my act together next month. I'll get serious in two months. Starting in September, I'll read the Bible all the way through, but I'm not going to do it now. You see what I'm saying? There, there's got to come a point where we decide we're going to be faithful to the call. If ye continue, or Amplified and the New American Standard say this, if ye abide, talks about abiding, if you abide in my words, then are ye my disciples indeed. That's John 8, 31. Abide. Again, we see that thing about staying in, dwelling in, living in, not departing from, abiding in the word. So we're to study, we're to meditate. Or to abide in the word. When you abide in the word, what happens? Then people know you're my disciple. You've got to know his word. You've got to be in his word. And his word needs to be in you. We know that when his word's in us, we can ask what we wish and it's done for us. But when his word's in us, when we're abiding in his word and his word's in us, then all men know we're his disciples. 
It's abiding in the word, staying in it, not an in and an out, not a when I feel like it, but a consistency. Smith Wigglesworth was mightily used by God, broke over people's bodies, cursed cancers, and cancers disappeared. People were raised from the dead. And there were a couple things about his life that really stick out to me, just like it did of that other gentleman. You know, when you hear something behind the scenes about a minister, and you hear, you know what, they just had something really good that most guys would really jump at offered to them, and they said no because they were working in the ministry and they wanted to get the word of God into them. And that was a higher priority than what were free tickets on the front field of a baseball game. It's interesting. Priority. Smith Wigglesworth, after every meal, would read the Bible. He'd push back from the table, even in restaurants. And I've shared this before, maybe not with you all, but he'd push back from the table and say, we've fed our natural bodies, now let's feed our spirit, feed our spiritual man. Even in restaurants, he would do that. Just a very awareness that if the physical body needed three meals a day, and the spirit man is more important than the physical man, how much does the spirit man need? So three times a day. Right, just keeping the awareness of I am a spirit being, and I'm going to feed my spirit. I'm going to keep my spirit in a spiritual place where I want it to be. I'm going to decide that I want to be at this plane, and I want to increase spiritually, not decrease and deplete. Same with muscles. If you don't use them, they atrophy. The spirit needs to be fed and strengthened, and it's fed on the word of God. It said that he never left his house without his Bible. And then there was another man, I'm sure you've heard of him, Lester Summerall, that had met Smith Wigglesworth, and Wigglesworth had invited him to come to his home, was going to minister to him. And when Lester Summerall came to his home, he had a newspaper in his hand, and Smith Wigglesworth wouldn't let it in the house. He wouldn't let a newspaper inside. Why? Because of the lies that were in it? Because it didn't line up with truth? He didn't even want it in his house. didn't even allow it in his house. There's somebody that has set themselves apart for service to the Lord what they're going to allow, what they're not going to allow. And then you know what he did with Lester Summerall? He didn't necessarily pray for him every day that he came. He sat there and he read the word of God out loud to him. Why? Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So here you have this incredible man of faith, with faith, reading the word to Lester Summerall. And Lester Summerall just sitting there absorbing it. That was it, reading the word to him. But wouldn't allow a newspaper even into his house. Isn't that interesting? It's interesting when you start hearing about some of these ministers, and you think, well, maybe they're just graced that way. Maybe they are. But it's not just the grace and the call that's on their life, because there is a grace that comes with a call. But it's not just the call. It's somebody that then has yielded to that call and done their part with it. They've studied. They've dedicated. They've consecrated themselves. They've submitted to the will of God. They've kept themselves zealous. There are parts that are our responsibility in this. It's not just all up to God or with what God called us to do. He calls people to do things, but that we have a response to him, and we've got responsibility to study, to pray. If he calls you to preach in another language, then you need to learn the other language and dedicate yourself to learning the other language until you know it sufficiently to preach in the other language. Because if he's told you to do that, he's going to hold you accountable to that. He will hold you accountable to that. And sometimes we think, well, why? There are enough people that speak English. Because sometimes God does what he wants to do. He, he does things certain ways, and we may not even know why. We're just, it's our responsibility to obey. 
It's our responsibility to obey. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. But we're called to do what God wants us to do. So in that, I want to ask us this. How serious are we? How serious are we? Are we willing to use some of our free time for studying? Or is it easier to turn the TV on? Now, God wants us to rest and be refreshed. But a lot of how far we'll go in ministry and what we'll do in ministry is dependent upon us. And a lot of times people think, well, it's just God or it's just the call of God on somebody. But I know, for example, just from sitting under Brother Hagen's ministry or Reverend Hagen's ministry for so long, that I would get glimpses every once in a while. Not because he was puffing himself up. He wasn't. I never saw him do that. I never saw that in him. I saw incredible humility an incredible love and a servant's heart and somebody that was obedient to just keep doing and doing and doing what God had called him to do. But what I sometimes heard was that he wouldn't sleep somewhere because he'd be out on the road traveling when his family was younger and they were all sleeping in one room at one point when there wasn't a lot of money. And so he had two kids and a wife and they were all in one room. So he'd wait until the kids went to bed and then he'd spend most of the night with a little light at a little desk in a corner of the room so he wouldn't wake anybody studying and reading the Word. And then you can also kind of hear these little trickles of other stories coming out where he'd talk about how he'd spend most of the night praying in tongues. And then I'd see him walking around campus once in a while. I, like one time I remember seeing him uh, in the prayer and healing center where people could call in if they needed prayer. And he was just kind of in the back walking around. Sometimes he'd have his hands in his pockets. He'd be kind of jingling his keys or his, his coins. But just praying in the Holy Ghost real quietly under his breath. Not really saying anything necessarily. Just in there, kind of back there, just behind everybody, just praying. I don't know what he was praying about. But just kept himself in the spirit, alert in the spirit, praying for all the saints. Not self-serving, but available to the Holy Ghost so the Holy Ghost could pray through him whatever needed to be prayed through. And I know that he was also keeping watch over the sheep of that Bible school, praying over them, watching over them, praying for them. It was interesting to watch. But somebody that was dedicated to serving him, he never did retire. He never did retire. Served God until he went home to be with the Lord. Had meetings scheduled until he went home to be with the Lord. Served God. Served God. Served God. What about dedicating ourselves? And what does it really mean to dedicate ourselves? The American Heritage Dictionary says to set apart for a deity or for a religious purpose, to consecrate, to set apart for a special use, to commit oneself to a particular cause or particular course of thought or action. Now, we don't call ourselves into the ministry. You just shouldn't do that. It's not a good thing. You don't want to do that unless God calls you. But if God calls you, you want to respond and say yes. God puts the calling on men and women, but it's also up to us to dedicate ourselves to be faithful to what he's called us to do. What does it mean to consecrate? To declare or set apart as sacred, like the consecrated church. To sanctify, like the bread and wine for use in communion. To initiate, for example, a priest into the order of bishops. To dedicate solemnly to serve, to, to a service or a goal. To dedicate solemnly to a service or a goal. Dedicated to a sacred purpose. Sanctified. To make sacred. So now God makes us holy, but we can yield to him. Say yes or no. We can yield to him when he calls us. There's a little check when you go to flip that TV on. You go to flip the TV on because you're tired. Your flesh is tired. You've had a long day of work. But there's just this little check. And right there is where you've got a point of choosing whether you're going to obey or override. 
obey or override. Obey or override. Now, God does not ever give you anything that's too difficult for you. Which means, if the Holy Ghost is giving you a check at that point, you're not too tired to do what he's calling you to do. Even if your body may feel tired. If he gives you a check right there, it means he knows what's best. And I don't know about you, but I'll confess this. I've had nights where sometimes I've turned the TV on, and I've felt more tired afterwards. Because it's usually, unless you have a really good Christian program, it's just not very edifying. You're, I mean, I've found I'm usually fighting the commercials, even if you're watching a good show. Suddenly, these commercials come on, sometimes advertising horror movies or just things I really did not need that flash so fast now that you don't necessarily even have time to turn the channel, especially if it's just a slight little delay. Sometimes you're more tired afterwards. It's not rest. Sometimes it's really deceptive and it's a lie, and it's flushing out. It's just flushing out. Now, not that God's always calling us to work 24-7. He's not. I mean, his scripture is very clear about taking a day of rest. He's very good. Sometimes I'll be working diligently and I'll pray, what do you want me to do that day? And he'll tell me rest. He's a good, loving father. But there are other times where I may go to turn the TV on and it just doesn't bear witness with me. And you've got a choice to make. Are you going to yield to the flesh or are you going to choose to obey? Because what he has is better. What he has, because I know him, I promise you it's better. I promise you. I just know, because I know him, that it will be a refreshment to you. It will be a refreshment to your bones, a refreshment to your spirit, and a refreshment to your soul. No matter how tired you are, whatever he's got for you will minister life to you. Why? Because his words are spirit and life. So when you take in his words, you're taking in spirit and life. Whereas what's on TV a lot of times is death. It's not edifying. It's not encouraging. And it's not building up. You can sit there and watch people in these little sitcoms committing fornication, adultery, now even homosexuality, lesbianism. I mean, there are shows that I used to watch, but now I'm like, okay, now that one's gone. You know, they started out all innocent and cute and sweet, just get everybody sucked in and, and um, committed to this little cute TV show. And then a couple sessions into it, it's disgusting. And I thought, ugh, and my spirit went, eh. And I thought, quick, turn it before those two women kiss. <laughs> I'm not going to tell you what show it was, but it was really cute and sweet. Really cute and sweet. It was really cute and sweet. It started out with a really good principle of somebody taking, taking a child in to take care of them. Really cute. Then it was became disgusting. And then, now that you're sucked in, you know, then you kind of know the characters, and you have to decide. It's a little bit more of a fight then. A little bit more of a pull, a little bit of a temptation. Well, gee, you know, they're not really going to continue with that. They don't really keep that going. How could they do that? Then I'm just repulsed anyway. So I can't go back to that anyway. But my spirit wouldn't let me go back to it. My spirit wouldn't let me watch it. Sometimes, if I can have that TV on, and my son in the other room after he's gone to bed will just hear the music. What are you watching, Mommy? And I'll realize it's like, you know, um, you know, at one of those stages where it's like, dun, 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 something's going to happen next, you know? It sounds a little scary. What do you watch? I don't think you should be watching that. He has no idea what it is. And, you know, there are times where I've had to sit there and I thought, you know what? He is right. And click. He's right. If you wouldn't let an eight-year-old watch it, should you be watching it? There's another check. Well, we think, well, no, we're over, so it's okay. Or we can screw it out. And I remember sitting there, I remember sitting in Bible school with one of my teachers saying you cannot sit there 
and watch shows where there's adultery and then try to counsel somebody the next day that's going through that very issue and think that it doesn't affect that counseling session. Why? Because you start to numb yourself out to what's godly and what's not godly. And we don't want the world's ideas or principles to begin to numb us out and get just numb to it. Oh, yeah, everybody does that. Oh, no, not everybody does do it. God doesn't want Christians doing it. People in the world may do it, but they're not born again. And so we're not to get numb to those things. We're not to get numb to evil. We're not to get numb to things that are wrong. We're not to get numb to homosexuality. We're not to get numb to lesbianism. None of this is in my notes. But for some reason we're saying this. We will not get numb to homosexuality. I will not accept it. It's completely contrary to the written word of God. The Bible says homosexuality is an abomination to the Lord. It's an abomination to the Lord. It is not okay. It is sin, and it needs to be confessed as sin, and God will give deliverance for it. God can deliver those that are homosexual. God's got a better way. God never intended for a man to be with a man in that manner. He didn't create it that way. So it'll always be wrong. It'll never feel right. It'll never be right. It'll never go right. It'll never go right. Your life will never be easy going on that path. Your heart will never allow you to continue on that path. It will never be okay. You will never feel okay about it. It will never get easier, and it will never get better until you turn and repent. God has a better way. He's so loving. He's so kind. Yeah, he can deliver you. He can set you free. Because the scripture says that you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And what I just said to you was the truth. Not because I said it, but because that's what the word of God says. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. Jesus Christ will set you free. If you will call out to God, call out to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you shall be set free. Freedom. Don't you want to be free? So we're to dedicate ourselves to the Lord. We're to be sanctified, holy, set apart for service unto the Lord. We're to walk in his word. We're to do what his word says. We're to live in accordance with his word. We're to obey the law of the land. We're to obey his written word. And here's something else. We're to stay zealous. We're to keep ourselves zealous. We're to keep ourselves zealous. There were two warnings in Revelation. I'm going to read them to you. Revelation 2.4 says, But I have this against you, that you have left your first love. We're not to leave God. Once you've made a decision to stay faithful to the call of God, you're not to go back. You're not to shrink back. The Bible says that he has no pleasure in those that shrink back from him. We're to stay with that first love. We're to stay with the love of God. We're to stay with him. Revelation 3.16 says, So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. Those are two things we don't ever want to hear God say to us. He was not writing to unbelievers when he said that. In Revelations, it's addressed to churches. To churches, he was saying those things. To churches, he was talking about being lukewarm. To churches, he was talking about you've left your first love. But we won't do that because we're of those that are going to keep ourselves consecrated to him, dedicated to him, and full of zeal. It's a conscious choice. We just choose to do it. And then we don't let go. We don't let go. It goes on in Revelations to say, Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. Be zealous, therefore, and repent. Discipline is a form of love because it keeps us walking 
in the path of life and righteousness to life. See, there's a path that can lead people to death. And there's a path that can lead people to life. And when God reproves somebody, it's out of love. When he disciplines them, it's out of love. He wants us to be zealous, to stay with him, because he knows the end result of both those paths. He knows the end result. And we're to go with what he says. We're to choose the path of life. Choose the path of life. Choose the path of blessing. Choose the path of his words, his written words. Now, there's a Christian school that's in this area. And there's a woman that runs it. And she's been ministering in this Christian school for over 20 years. And in this, I just want to share this because I want you to understand the importance of zeal, staying committed, staying dedicated, staying faithful to the call. She's been running this Christian school for over 20 years. She started it as a preschool in her home. That takes dedication to start something in your home. You sacrifice a little bit of your home life when you do that. And then as it grew, they moved from place to place. But she's been doing this for well over 20 years. She also is past the age where the world would have its standard for retirement. But she and her husband are still both serving. One's teaching and one's been functioning as an administrator over this school. Well past the time of retirement. Still working, still serving the Lord. Even when leases would run out in places. And I know that one of the leases of one of the last locations was over, listen to this figure, per month, not mortgage payment where they're owning something or buying something. Their rent, their lease payment was over $30,000 a month. How would you like to be responsible for that much money and go to sleep at night? That's faith. A month, every month. And then the next thing you know, the first of the month rolls around again, you've got to come up with another $30,000 and then $30,000 and $30,000. And that adds up really fast. It takes faith to be able to do something like that. It takes faith to be able to walk and believe God for numbers like that. But here's somebody that no matter what, if the going was tough or easy, they stuck with it. God called them to do it, therefore God was going to provide, and he always has. Sometimes it's been close, but he has always come through for them. And when you talk to her, she won't say it's been a piece of cake or a bed of roses, but God's been faithful. And they've stuck with it. Even when it's been hard, they stick with it. Stick with it. Stick with it. And God has blessed them with a gorgeous facility right now. They're in a wonderful place. So we're not promised that, that this call is a piece of cake or a bed of roses. Actually, we know that persecutions are sometimes ahead of some people that are going to follow God. Sometimes suffering. We know that, that Paul was beaten. When we read in Hebrews chapter 11, it talks about verses 33 to 38, it talks about things that have happened to people, beatings they've taken. Why don't we go ahead and turn there? Let's just look at this. This is not to discourage you, but this is just to show you the commitment level of people that have gone before you. How committed were they? How committed are we? How committed are we required to be now? We have it so easy in this country. We've got freedom of speech. You can carry a Bible with you. It's legal to carry a Bible. It's okay to stand out and preach the gospel. There are some places where it's not that easy. Like I'm going to start in verse 35. This is talking about, it goes through, this is called sometimes the Faith Hall of Fame. Because in Hebrews chapter 11, it goes through and talks about, by faith what Moses did, by faith what Joseph did, what Isaac did, by faith Sarah, by faith, by faith Abraham, by faith Enoch, by faith Abel. In other words, that everything that they did was by faith, by faith Noah. But then it goes through and it, and it starts talking about others that, that they're not mentioned here. 
And it says in verse 35, women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with a sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskin, being destitute, afflicted, tormented. Notice this, verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy, but they did it anyway because they were faithful to the call. They were faithful to fulfill what God called them to do. Faithfulness. Faithfulness is not quitting when it gets tough. Faithfulness is being willing to continue. Now I'm going I'm to end with this last category. Submit to the will of God. If ye be willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. Isaiah 1.19. Jesus said in John 9.4, We must work the works of him who sent me. I do nothing on my own initiative. And he who sent me is with me. He has not left me alone, for I always do the things that are pleasing to him. John 8, 28 and 29. Notice that? He doesn't do anything on his own. What is he doing? That which the Father's revealing to him to do. Jesus, even when he was here, did not do his own thing, but sought God. What did God want him to do? And then he fulfilled what God wanted him to do. And because of that, because he was always doing the things that were pleasing to God, God never left him alone. He was pleasing to God. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. John 15, 5. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If we want to bear fruit and we want our fruit to remain, it is essential that we are led by God in what we do. That we're not getting involved in just good works, but we're really seeking him and what he wants us to do. When I was working in the children's ministry years ago, I was working in a big classroom with a lot of kids, and I'd been doing it for a lengthy period of time. And I'd gotten to the point where I was kind of tired of it. I just had been doing it a long time. And so I was starting to think to myself, I'm about ready to quit. I'd really like to quit. I wanted to quit. My flesh wanted to quit. My soul wanted to quit. I was about ready to quit. I kind of thought, I've been doing this and doing this and doing this. And right about that point, I went in and I was running a center with about eight or ten kids at this one table. And this little third grader looks over at me and she says, you know, you're going to be lead teacher in here. And when she said that, I knew it was the Holy Spirit speaking to me. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? That was just so good of God because I was about ready to quit. And what she just spoke was a promotion to me. And when she spoke it, it just had just, it was prophetic. And he was a child. You know, there wasn't really anyone else around. Nobody else heard it. Just her and I were just at this table together. You're going to be a lead teacher. When you're a lead teacher, and then she said X, Y, and Z, you know, do X, Y, and Z or whatever. And I sat there, and I knew it was God. It just, it just, there was just such unction on it. And I thought, well, isn't that interesting? Because I just was about to quit. I just was ready to just kind of say, you know, I think I want to do something else or whatever. I've done that long enough. And this I have for you. That's from my experience. Any time, this even goes from meeting my husband. Any time I have been about to quit, not that I, and I don't know that I actually even would have quit, but just that feeling, when the feeling rises up in you, because of whatever, because of opposition, because of, it sometimes can get boring when you know how to do it well enough, it's no longer challenging the way that it was, it starts to get more mundane because of the routine that you're in, any time I have been about to quit has been right before I got promoted or right before the blessing came. Time after time after time, I can tell you. right, And it's almost as though it's a test. When the flesh is about to give out and the soul thinks I've had, where's the spirit? And are you going to stay faithful? Because when I've stayed faithful, 
it's been right around that corner that then the blessings came and the promotions came. Not just one time. I can tell you time after time after time this has happened. When I had just decided I'd had it with men, that was it. I was going to make one up. And so I did, and I even gave him a name. I'd had it. <laughs> and so I gave him a name, Brad Allen. And within two weeks, I'd met him. I mean, I'm not kidding. Time after time, when I finally got to what I thought was the end of me, it was, the, it was right then I needed to keep going and press into God, because that's where the blessings came. I can tell you that there are times, I know, well, I'll just tell you this. I just was listening to another minister do a message on, on cassettes. And he said that there were people that had worked in his ministry, and they didn't know this, but he was in the process of buying them a house. He didn't tell them this, but he was in the process of buying them a house, and they quit and moved. And he said, some people will never know what they've missed by quitting too soon. I bought a house for somebody, and we were going to give them free rent while they went to Bible school. And they changed their plans and moved two weeks early and signed a long-term contract. And they don't even know what they missed. I'm not sure I know how we would have done it. But I knew God put it in my heart to do it. So we have a house in Oklahoma. But now it's a blessing to somebody else. But it was intended for somebody. But they quit. And they could have had that peace then. They quit. They quit. Missed it by two weeks. Quit a little too early. Two weeks. They just stuck with it for two more weeks and waited and stayed on their original plan. And they don't know that. They don't know what they missed. They still don't know that. Anytime, anytime I have gotten to the point I feel like quitting, if I just stick it out, that's when the blessings and the promises come through. Just stick it out. Stick it out. And sometimes you've got to just put your flesh under, buffet your body and make it your slave. Put it under. Exercise self-control. Now, if God's telling you to move on or to do something different, that's different. I'm just talking about when you're in a situation where you've been doing the same thing, same thing, same thing, and your flesh kind of thinks, well, you know, haven't we had enough of this? And yet God's not moving you on. Your flesh may have had enough of it, but there may be some testing going on. You pass that testing, boy, there are blessings on the other side. Promotion and blessings. Oh, it's good. It is good. You stay faithful. It is good. It is good. It is good. I think that we're just going to end there. When God asks you to do something, do it. You're not always going to know why. I'm going to share this with you, too. I, I know we're going a little over. When I was at Raymond, we got that lead teacher position. We were over like 60 kids. That's bigger than some churches. That's one age group. I was only third graders. There were over 60 to 80 we had for Sunday school every Sunday morning. When we got that job, I was thrilled. Brad was thrilled because you know how he likes to ham it up. It was just, it was excellent. We got that job, and just the Holy Spirit came upon me, and he just put it in my heart to go clean somebody's house. And I knew that it had been somebody that had worked in that room a couple years ago, in that in that room. I knew that they, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to give you all the details. They were in a situation where they were bedridden because they had gotten pregnant and there were issues. And so the doctor said, you need bed rest. And, and God put it on my heart, go clean your house. That's not really my favorite thing. You know, it's not that I'm anti. It's just, I don't even like doing it for my own house. I mean, I do it. So I'm like, go clean their house. Now, I know God and God knows me. And I know he wouldn't ask me to do that unless he really wanted it. And it was supposed to be me. So I said, okay, Lord. And I figured if I can bless her or help her, okay, I'm willing. And it's not like I'm the greatest cleaner in the world. So I'm thinking, I know there's a lot of people if you could get that are even better at this than I am, but whatever, I'm willing. So I set it up and I go and I do that. I didn't know why. I, he's never told me to go clean somebody else's house before then or since then. He never has. I went and did it. 
And you know what I found out? Didn't find out till a couple years later. She'd wanted that job we got, and I didn't know that. She never told me that. They'd wanted that job. They'd worked in that classroom. But see, God knew that it wouldn't have been right for them to have it because she was going to end up on bed rest. God knew that. I didn't know that. See, maybe God used my willingness to go do that to help tenderize her heart so that she wouldn't hold anything against me. I didn't even know what went on. I had no idea that would ha- that had happened. You understand? I, I was just, God wanted me to do it, so I just go- went to go do it. Okay, Lord, there may be times where he may ask you to do something, and you may not know why, but it's still important to do it. I didn't know why. I just can't get up and, and do much. Blessing, sweet person. Maybe there was more going on. There was more reason, as I found out years later. Somebody started telling me something. Do you know that she wanted the job that you got? Because they knew her. And they started telling me some things. So God used that, just a willingness to go obey him. He didn't tell me why. There may be things that you don't know. He may ask you to do. You may not know. He may ask you to buy groceries for somebody. That's a big deal. They've got really nice clothes. They drive a Mercedes. You want me to go buy them groceries? Their house may be in foreclosure, and there may be somebody coming tomorrow to pick up their car. You just don't know. If he tells you to go buy them groceries, go buy them groceries. You you see what I'm saying? You cannot go by what you see. When God tells you to do something, he has reasons. He knows all. And all we have to do is obey. And then, and then, and then we're we're set up in a position for him to bless us. Put it on my heart to buy a house to give somebody free rent. And now I'm done. Do not move out early. You just don't know what God has. Wait for God's timing. When the flesh gets tired, be faithful to the call. Be faithful to finish that which you start. Be faithful, because as you're faithful in one area, he'll use you, bless you, promote you into another area. But if you're not faithful in the first, you're just going to slow down the whole process. Don't slow down the whole process. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful. Stay faithful to what he's called you to do until it's finished, until you know he's moving you on. Then when he moves you on, you go in his will and in his blessing. And that's the best way to go because then you remain in the perfect will of God. You don't let your flesh tell you how you feel when you're sick of something. You look to your spirit. Really, flesh? Really, soul? Let's pray in tongues for a few minutes and find out if that's true. And then you pray in tongues. Hey, you sick of doing this? And the spirit's like, no, seems good to me. Well, then keep on. Keep on doing what you're doing. When God moves you, you'll know it because it's God-led. It's not flesh-ruled and flesh-tired and flesh-rebelling. Big difference. Okay, so to summarize, study, meditate, abide in his word, dedicate, consecrate, stay zealous, and submit to the will of God, and you will stay faithful to the call of God. Amen.